0: The so mm, we kind of gathering around the Dhamma practice coming to this particular situation and gathering into practice together and uh, always the particular topics of things we want to examine or free ourselves from particularly difficulties or obstructions Sense of, or a sense of something we need to fulfill uh, feel more enjoyment warmer, more loving, more peaceful less reactive less burdened mm, less obsessed mm. I guess the, the word covers it all as a sense of freedom Quality of freedom, vimutti, vimoka, these lovely um, concepts, and rather than salvation or purity or even enlightenment, which isn't that much of a, of a Buddhist word really. It's a it's kind of an English word they've got tacked onto it, Buddhism, but it's. And Buddhism it's kind of a bit misleading. you have awakening and you have liberation in Buddhism Buddhist teaching bodhi awakening liberation mimoka vimutti, release <coughs> mm. to me these are very lovely um, terms to keep coming back to release sense of freedom, space opportunity, unrestricted Mm. out of the rut out of the wheel, the rut of what life can become behavioral rut, occupational ruts it's going round and round Doing the same thing which one realizes is never actually going to arrive at a, at a place of fulfillment. It'll be something one has to get by with or keep going. And uh, even though it's not particularly painful in itself, the sense of having to keep the things going and it's not going to go anywhere that great anywhere, it would just be okay, and manageable, and all right, you know, and kind of bound to this thing. Um, you know, because if we don't keep it going it seems to get you know, from being alright to being quite unpleasant all that possibility that it might do so we put a lot of effort and energy into keeping our lives kind of going um, and this is the, with the time bound frame of reference that uh, experience is held in a frame called becoming things are becoming something else things are moving along in time becoming richer, poorer, sicker healthier, older that's one thing no alternative about nobody's becoming younger (laughs) you know becoming happier, becoming sadder and it's just all that and it goes on like that. We become happy and become, for a while, that seems pretty good, but then you've got to keep that going along, otherwise, you become sadder, which seems not very good. Mm. Uh, but can we always do that? So it's, and having to do it, having to kind of keep that, what can I do now to make me my life a little richer, happier, you know something new, something different, or something the same, comfort, reassurance, or excitement and adventure, mm. find the right mixtures, so on, so it's, it's a kind of, we end up living our lives rather than being alive, living one's life becomes like driving a bus, rather than being alive, so you're driving a bus and where's it going, mm. eventually it wears out doesn't it? So, release is really release from all this, <coughs> which is um, not just uh, one would say, you know, the immediacy of experience, but the way experience gets patterned into these becoming tendencies. You know, we anticipate, dread, wait for the future. We remember, we assess the past, and we keep doing, you know, things, sort of trying to arrange all that in a way which will give us the best results and you know, surely this is part of, certainly a part of what life is about uh, making it manageable, decent comfortable, harmonious mm. definitely it's part of it but you also do and does realize uh, particularly over as the one's life extends, how, you know, that itself, how good will it really ever get? You know? and so certainly in, in monastic life is very good because you have such a kind of a container which enables you to review the life processes much more um, clearly because you've got this clear template that you live within of, daily routines and uh, daily re- reflections and recitations and things that go on and on and on um, no matter what's happening really and then you've got people coming and going and ups and downs and things And you've got somehow it's of like treading water it's kind of like the same thing is being repeated day after day, year after year um, <coughs> externally So you get changes, but even these you go through you can see, oh here's another building project, we've done these. Here's another one of these, it goes like this. Here's another kind of committee we're gonna form to do this, they're like this, and they do this and they have these successes and these problems and these results and it goes like that. Mm -hmm. It's good, you know, useful, and yet, you know, it's like something you've got to keep Plugging, working on, because it, it doesn't, it's impermanent, mm-hmm. it doesn't arrive at a place of, of lasting you know enjoyment or pleasure before something deteriorates or needs propping up or things shift and change and so on. Mm-hmm. And certainly, as you contemplate, one contemplates externally and internally the mind states you know, one's own mind states and the things that one's fellows go through. You know, the waves of it becomes no particular surprise, you know, the restlessness and the doubts and the can I do this, can I not do this and irritations and joys and inspirations and feeling flat and all that. And here we go, you know. And all this one can see is still very much in the realm of, of becoming. It's not just behave, you know, things we do, but even things we are, yeah. you know, seem to be, very much seem to be what we are, our moods and highs and, and lows and all this. So it really, as we get into c- contemplating some of these, the whole process of our life, you can see that from quite an intimate place to external distant realms it's all in that it's all doing that and does it ever does it ever arrive Hmm. release or completion so release is really liberation is really the release from that particular mode of experience Um, so we may think oh this means that you don't have any Body, any people, any feelings, any emotions, any thoughts—they're if they're all in that. Basically, better not have them. But that's not it either. It's—you uh, know—it's re- in this lifetime. It's re- release from—you know—the kind of affirmation of these, or clinging to these, or expecting these, or rejecting these. You know. So that we are, we're we not becoming or involved with it, or denying it. It's a kind of middle middle way. This middle way, this actually, this middle way can only be um, properly cul- cultivated, and experienced, you know, in a released state. So just to be able to to live an ordinary human life in an easy way requires. <laughs> Is a, a state of complete liberation is what's required. <laughs> you know, the, the knowing this is the thoughts and the moods go like this, and the feelings and the mind states go like this, and the states of one's fellow humans go like this, and uh, you know, worldly situations go like this. And, you know, and there's space for that to happen, and the good. To be sustained, and yet one isn't taking a stand upon it, holding it, asking for it. The release is, you know, kind of no positional, and yet it actually can can hold it, can hold everything. A mind release can hold everything. Like, uh, perfect. I was looking for the perfect backpack the other day, and I realized what I wanted was something that weighed nothing and could hold everything. and I thought to myself, the only thing that does that is pure awareness. <laughs> it's already, you can't buy those in shops, you've already got one, <laughs> it's already here. Hmm. because the pure awareness is the release yeah, and it has no you can witness and be with and sense and all these phenomena that you know, it's there it doesn't, actually, it doesn't actually have anything of its own it doesn't weigh anything you know, and everything can occur within that so what is that and how do we, how do we get there <coughs> how do we find that So, of course, the very very structure in which we tend to think you know, is, is, is conditioned by this tremendous power of, of the becoming, which which saturates um, the thinking processes, the way we see in the sensory realm, and the way we structure our lives, the way experience gets structured in consciousness. So you see, right right there at the beginning, you have this sankhara, Vijñana, which means that, I think, Vijñana, so very consciousness. Vijñana is already programmed according to these sankara tendencies, which are these structures. Such as becoming is one of them. This this way, which experience is not just purely. One isn't purely aware. One is aware, and it's immediately organised into. This means that this goes here. This will be, if this happens that will happen theres there's you know and this infers something about the future so our normal experience is, is saturated with inference you know like I assume I infer that you all have backs I can't see them but because <laughs> of my, my my consciousness is is programmed so there must be backs and I you know I infer that some of you are sitting you know, 15 feet away, some 40 feet away, though actually all I see is small people and bigger people (laughs) or bigger forms so, you know, these are not inferences that I have to do consciously it happens for me, it's like the programming is there, just organises experience but right in the, if you like, in the core quality of consciousness is its ability to receive and what is received is then structured into manageable conventional realities but everything is <coughs> actually first of all it's received isn't it we receive things through the eyes, the ears it's received through the sensory world so this is what we call awareness mm. it's so <coughs> right within the conditioning process of consciousness is this very core quality of awareness Mm. awareness is um, apart from it's it's mingled with everything so we're aware plus we interpret or there is an interpretation in terms of some kind of you know object out there moving along, you're gonna change, gonna be something, was something, will be something, so on. This is a kind of ob- object definition that the senses do for us through consciousness. But also the other inference that occurs is the somebody witnessing all this. You can't we never really find out who that is, but we can think it we can think we can make it into an object when we think of it. Think it's called <coughs> me, you know, whatever my name is, Joseph or Pe- Peggy or Jim Sucitto or something. And so you, you know, when you say, "Who are you?" You cut the mind creates an object. In that very moment of creating an object, of course, there's knowing of that thought. So that knowing is not. Thought is it? So you know, you know that thought it comes up. My name is Peggy. Mine isn't. So my name is not Peggy. You know? So you know, this kind of thought comes up, and so on. But then also you get other forms of naming, which are more like feeling. Like I feel very hungry. Or, I feel sad. Or, I feel interested. And you look at who that I is who feels it you can't find anything actually, it's actually the feeling of interest or sadness or hunger and at that very moment as it's been, that then who's experiencing that is actually there isn't you know, there isn't some kind of thing there that's experiencing it that's inferred you can't name it doesn't mean it's not being experienced but you can't name that as anything and yet one does. You know, it's me. This is the, f- the fundamental um, inference. We can add details to that me. You know, the one who isn't properly understood, the one who um, knows how to do things, the one who's in charge of this, the one who's not in charge of it, and all that. So you get these kind of perceptual, attitudinal things. All this this subjective inference is called chitta so you know so you see these two external bases which which are you know we infer or inferences occur assumptions occur conditioning occurs around external phenomena conditioning occurs around internal phenomena of how they're held these sankara constructs or conditions chitta conditions the realm conditions the world and of course so that when we think of liberation, well I want to be liberated I'd like to be free I'm not free, I want to be a free person I wish I didn't have any hatred, or greed or confusion I'd like to be rid of that and how can I get rid of it? well, i better do this so I can get that Make me, help me to get rid of it. I'll stop doing. I'll do this and I'll do that, um, and that's the way w- w- we think. Hmm. So does does that work? Does that do it? Do you, do you, How many? We like to. How many of actually? We say, oh, I'd like to have more hatred, please. I think I'd like to develop suffering as a way of life. Say, so, no, no, I don't want to. Have, I want to stop suffering. I don't like hatred. So why do we, why do we keep doing it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just stop doing it now. Cut it out. Stop all that suffering. Stop it. <laughs> stop feeling guilty. Stop feeling intimidated. Stop feeling oppressed. Stop feeling sad. You know, be happy. Stop it. You know, this is the most important thing to do is stop doing it. So, you know, for everything else aside, stop doing it. But it doesn't work like that, does it? That's our aspiration, but you can't translate that, that message, that aspiration into "I can do it." You know, can you do it? How many people do it? Perhaps the Buddha did it. No. well we know we can say that the Buddha or the Dharahants were released but the trick of it of course is that they're released from the whole structure of inferring of inference in externally and internally they don't create a world they don't create a self so then there's no place for greed and hatred, delusion, to crystallize. There's nothing there for them to, to land on. These, these uh, more obvious problems that we experience, which are painful, we can curb, and we can push back, and we can calm down, and we can not attend to. We can. These are all skillful things to do. We can deliberately attend to something that doesn't give rise to greed or hatred. Mm. We can curb those things. We can you know, turn our attention to the breathing. Just le- release the, those tangles or obsessions. Mm. But it's quite um, awesome sometimes when one recognizes that to a certain extent, you know, we curb these things, but they if Philip find ways of of um, crystallising around more things, you get quite fed up, and depressed, and angry, and guilty about breathing in and out. Um, can I do it? I'm uh, not doing it. I'm no good at doing it. I should be better at doing it. Does he do it? She doesn't do it very much. And these kind of <laughs> things can go on, you know. And so actually, one sort of transferring. Of these same patterning to other objects and certainly in in uh, religious spiritual life we you find this um, occurring and it's quite um, disturbing at first when one sees that you know some of the passions and poisons that occur you know when one's trying to live according to virtue, restraint you know, people of the same basic interest, and you can quite irritated with each other, uh, find, find certain degrees of hostility, mistrust, fear, coming up. You know, Something we don't really have a lot of say over, it seems. Mm. You can kind of curb it and quiet it down and put it away and keep resolving these things, and yet you can see that somehow if there's room, if there's a place for them to land, these creatures almost like will find somewhere you know, a ledge a notch, a crevice or something they can worm in to and it's uh, it's quite salutary you, when you see how they, in the Buddhist literature these forces are almost giving independent existence, autonomy, like they're demons and chilesas and things that, that hover around and pounce on one. Because it's rather like that. And they're not things we choose to do. You know. Or decide to do it because you're a bad person. These are almost the toxic toxins in the atmosphere of the world of becoming. The world of becoming must have some sense of latent, diffused... Greed and aversion and confusion. It it's often so diluted and diffused one doesn't notice it until you begin to limit and restrain and and kind of condense well your life into something like a meditation retreat where things are very much more um, co- you know collected in and you begin to s- realise you know within the realm of becoming there's quite a lot of you know I want, I've got to have. When am I going to get the good bit? I need some positive energy. Uh, and you know, there's, there's quite a lot of push for something good to happen. You know, the greed, the desire to acquire something, you know, it gets cathected onto spiritual goals to acquire samadhi, to acquire emptiness, to acquire concentration, to acquire peace of mind aversion gets cathected onto oneself or onto the situation around, it's too warm, it's too cold it's too noisy, it's too quiet it's too friendless, it's too jovial it's too laid back it's too uptight these are very poignant um, experiences that we don't make up, they really feel that way and we can in the the intensity of that it can be very overwhelming and uh, quite unsettling because on a rational level you can recognise it's actually nothing much you know, my goodness what's happening because these, these forces and things we don't not under our sort of control or the control of our personality you know, it's, they're just, they're in there in the world, in the realm of becoming which is both internal and external in the conditioning process is like that because if it were becoming is based upon the idea of you could become better, or you might become worse. So there's the there's the latent, you know, greed or fear, and aversion. You know, how can I get to be better? Which is often pretty weak and diffused, because we're often getting little bits that make us feel better—quick, you know, cup of coffee and a bun, and a cigarette and a walk and a shift and a scratch and a bit of music and a chat. So you can use little tidbits of something to keep the sense of something new coming up that would be a bit more pleasant. You know. So it's quite, a, the, the force of the greed is quite, quite gentle till you actually stop doing some of these things, these minor things. Feeling flat, bored, dull. You know. And it goes on to thinking, reading, planning, you know, meditating get something to get you know get knowledge or just to be feel that even one doesn't get anything one's in the process whereby one could be getting something or feeling that energy coming up of, well I'm really getting along here I'm really going places this is it um, you know it's rather like I remember a few years ago somebody looking at a cart- book of cartoons I think it was either Calvin and Hobbes, or uh, Doonesbury, or one of these strips, you see. It was one of their kind of like annual where they put them all together. The first page, oh, that's really funny. That's really funny. Turn over second page, that's funny. Third page, that's quite amusing. (laughs) Fourth page, yeah. (laughs) It just goes on and on and on (laughs) like that. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> you know, you, you kind of somehow see it, I could sense in that the um, you know, the, 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 the way that even something that's pleasant starts to, you know, if I just read page six, at first page six would probably be hilarious, but at the time I read from one page one to page six, page six was just oh, I've had enough of this you know. <laughs> so it's not the thing itself, It's it's the way The becoming process holds things, you know. One wants to become happier, and um, but the more happy we become, the more boring it gets. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so so till you know, if you had a hadn't eaten for a day or so, and then you had a nice meal, oh, really great. Could you then have another one and feel the same thing? No, you think, oh, I'm full up now. And when you eat three times a day, so what? You know, well, I'll have Mexican food tomorrow, then I'll have Italian food, and then I'll have Chinese food, and then i have Indian food. Okay, well, what else is there? There must be uh, seal blubber, um, lion's paws, um, Martian liver, <laughs> cosmic goo, or something new, you know, you can't, the same thing, can't, the same quality of happiness gets tedious, doesn't it? You know. And yet, we can be doing that, in that role, on that, on that kind of escalator, if you like, of it. Knowing it, some sense knows it, and yet some sense will not pull out of it. You know, you get compulsive reading. What What does one need to know? A certain amount of information. You read it and read it and read. What have you got more now that you? Of, what do you have now that you didn't have? You know, you read a novel, you read another book. What do you actually have now that you didn't have before? A little bit of buzz, some energy. You know. Charging around, a few more memories. Make sense of a parting quality of. Oh, that was tasty. And then, well, uh, I guess we we'll look at the magazine right now, <laughs> the telly or something. <laughs> and yet, you know, one can sense this, and and still not be able to pull out of it. Uh, because even even if the thing itself is kind of, you can see that the feeling level of it, you begin to understand that and comprehend it, still the energy level of it is also seductive. Not just the pleasant feeling, it's the energy of being engaged and held by something. It's carrying me along. Yeah. Sometimes even it's not very pleasant. Something that's ca- an energy that's carrying me along. That's the very energy. Of becoming, that's tr- that's even more primarily seductive than the feeling quality. I'm in something. I belong to something. You know, I'm not. I'm going, getting along. this is interesting. It's a struggle. It's um, intense. It's difficult. Work with it. Get over it. Get to the next point. And then we'll you know, keep going, like a long trek in the mountains, in which we also people do this. You know. God, I was absolutely miserable, you know, I blistered feet, backache, stinking, sweaty, greasy, starving, rain cold. That was a great trip. Because <laughs> you, know, you felt energized and within that, that, that thing. And certainly that, that kind of quality can be there in meditation, you know, the quality of the, of the quest. Be- all this is be- becoming. It's it's attractive to be becoming, because mm. what does it do? It, it essentially pleasant, unpleasant, tedious, or new. It supports the sense of there's somebody here becoming something. This uh, when the chitta has something to prop itself on. It says, "I am. That's good enough. I am." Without having something to prop itself on, you know, can't be something. So becoming is also called existence. Mm-hmm. I exist because I'm because of this something to prop on, something to be occupied with, something to be charged with, something to be desperate about, something to be eager for something to be depressed with, you know. No. It's not a voluntary process, it's like the almost a magnetic pull of the unawakened chitta to have something to be prop itself on. And so even the idea of I will be free. I want to be free, I want to be enlightened. You know, I'm a sincere, committed person, I will struggle in order to be enlightened. Well that's a nice prop, isn't it? makes me feel pretty serious and meaningful and, and you know gives me a sense of direction in my life better than saying I want to become unenlightened and more stupid and gross and careless so yeah you know it's, it's, uh, we say it's a relative prop or a support because a real release is a release of this inference I am And with this, you know, the, because one has the, the mind at first has no choice really, it's so confused, it's like a frightened child, it must cling, it's panicking, it doesn't know, it hasn't awakened to truth, it's in a state of mild panic and anxiety. You try, te- you know, levering the mind, your awareness away from something to depend upon, and it it will just stick to the idea of that. <laughs> Saying, I must have everything to depend upon. I'm right? being somebody who isn't depending on anything, that's what I've got to be. And so, again, you know, it does that. So, so, we say, okay, well, depend on this, depend on the thought, may I be well. Saturate yourself with that, suffuse yourself with that depend upon the, experience, the simple experience of your body breathing breathing in and breathing out may I be well, may others be well just depend let everything rest on that give yourself to this time, say you know, half an hour, an hour just doing that let your chitta depend on that When mm-hmm. the struggles and the tensions and the worries come up, just breathing in, breathing out may I be well and to answer it just speak to it like you do to a frightened child don't get involved with the stories about who did this and the monsters under the bed and the the creepy crawlies just may I be well may I be well may this body be well may this heart be well Mm. you don't have to know anything more right now Develop anything more? Far from that, that sense of contentment and and uh, trust in that simplicity of what we already have, what's already here for us. This is the directness of the Buddha's teaching. This is where one needs to reflect on the this other um, very seminal uh, term: awakening, bodhi. Which I think is also extremely meaningful. You know. It's awakening. I mean, Where's that? Because you know, it's, it's a different, almost a different direction. You're not making anything or destroying anything, you're not changing anything or adding anything. You're not subtracting anything. You're just awakening. It's almost like a movement out or a letting go, a release of becoming, of awakening to becoming like when you wake up, what do you awaken to? you awaken to the sky or the ceiling or the the alarm clock or the whatever, you wake up it's like that just curtains, alarm clock ceiling, sky so what? (laughs) big deal, you know, what what are these going to do for me? because the, the awakening, one doesn't you know, one doesn't notice or really it's the objects you awaken to that become so powerful and then everything starts going on what those ob- what it, consciousness gets to work on around those objects, what they mean, what we should do, what day it is and who I am and what I the projects for today and so forth. So you see how you know awareness, awakeness is there. And it's mixed to get it mixed itself in into this stream of becoming. It doesn't it's like a child trying to grab a shadow and living in a state of terror. So it's only a shadow. It's black. It's a wolf. It's dark. It's right in front of me. It's looking at me. there's only a shadow. Oh, it's dark. It's frightening. I can't look at it too much because it might jump on me. You know. So you say, Well just look, may you be well, I'm all right. You're just holding that the chitta. So now really look closely at that shadow. Notice that you're looking at it. It's not getting you, it's there. Mm -hmm. Notice that. So we can encourage ourselves to awakening. And so often the mind needs this this comfort, comforting prop to give it the confidence that all you have to do is wake up. You don't have to, you know, well you have to do the, the comforting and what we call meditating or the conventional forms of Buddhist practice in order to make it possible for the mind to come out of its state of terror. And fear and confusion, or at least get a break in that to say, you know, now you do it now, you know, now wake up. You know, you're all right. I'm here with you. You can come out of the dream. It's like when you when you lost your bearings, you just need something to hold your hand. So, you, oh, all right, this is the floor. This is it's today. Okay, now I know where I am. So these these are the props good props the things we we can put effort into generating but only with the realisation that these are props and not to use them as straitjackets or as trophies or as personal statements you see through them into the state of dependence you know, the clinging the identification with the Gloating over the you know, complaining about um, this conventional experience becoming in all its forms. When we develop meditation, then this quality of, of generating one's own welfare is samatha which makes one feel steady and calm make it something that's just simple and accessible not exceptionally esoteric or refined you know to visualize crystal balls or special auras you can do if that if your mind moves that way but it can also be quite um, deluding like that because sounds pretty impressive i can visualize you know 16 interlocking crystal balls already got somewhere haven't I well, I can't visualize a squashed frog myself <laughs> 16 interlocking crystal balls so you didn't get very far did you I mean, you can visualize a squashed frog a pancake yeah. I'm hungry enough I can visualize a bit of uh, you know a cheese sandwich <laughs> so you one can start to to make some of these meditation practices Things that that take one away from waking up, and just becoming uh, more and more involved in in intricate forms of self-affirmation. So it's so beautiful simplicity. It's just kind of every breathes in and out. Even frogs breathe in and out. It's no big deal. Everything wants to be well. Toads want to be well everything wants to be well so there's no great special thing about that you know. so it's something I really trust about that because it's 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 humble it's not um, you know some kind of special thing and yet it does when you realise just, just sustaining that is quite a powerful deterrent for the the anxiety and the guilt and the urgencies and the pressures and the beat self beatings and all this that and the other may others be well this is just itself really carrying this through is quite a beautiful thing this is samatha it helps to, to create a mooring post against these tremendous currents that carry one away but an awakening is somewhat is different from that or it arises from that possibility one does have firm ground one can now come out of the panic and the whirling and uh, thrashing around, trying to find one's place, and now you c- begin to review it. the uh, Insight, which is the awakening process for release. Mm. So, so in meditation, for example, you can, or just sitting quietly, you can, you can just you can see how you do this because the chitta, which is normally very much associated with generating some subject, some sense of self. You, know? you can actually... the way that this is all comes around is through attention and through intention and through contact. These are the forms that conditioning takes or occur. When you attend to something, focus on something, then that naturally becomes the seed point for thoughts and moods and feelings. You know. Depending what that object is, so that's why it's called a conditioner. It's something that helps to formulate. If you don't focus on that, you focus on something else, and that has a different thing. And then you can stop focusing at all, just let things go really, you know. Trying to get things to be really open and loose. See what happens then. And you find that there's a kind of push towards having something to think about. You probably go on, probably then goes to some mental construction, thinking about it or an emotional construction feeling quite happy or peaceful So your attention then shifts to this mm. so but then when you um, contemplate you can contemplate the shifting of attention around and then come to a place where you're aware you can aware of an object such as a visual object looking at something or listening to something mantra, sound in your head, sound of silence, breathing in and out, a you know, tactile object like breathing in and out, and you can, you can go right into that object and absorb into it, or you can step back a little bit, and then you can sense, oh, this is what it's like. You can step back a bit more. This is what's happening when I focus on that. Or this is the quality of my awareness around that. If not my awareness keeps jumping around. So you can have the object, or what it does to you, how it affects you, or you know how clear one's one's um, apprehension is of that. So you can scrutinise within that the whole structure of consciousness within that. You come to a place where you're just just aware of the object without probing into it. And you can feel a uh, kind of a, a wobble that either wants to move away and start engrossing with one's thoughts or moods or move into the object and engross in that. And that's, that's a very interesting middle point. Just kind of like a, a stable, bare awareness of breathing or a sensation or a sight. And there's something in there that wants to push in and really get into that and think about it. Wants, you know, involve itself with that. Then, no, 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 come back. Just contemplate the, note, the sense of noticing or seeing or feeling that rather than the thing itself. Mm-hmm. Then, then what would tend to happen is, is some push goes into, well, I'm not feeling very well, I'm like this, I could do it. I could do it. No, no, come out. Then you, it goes into a subject. You kind of just release that, come back to the middle, where the subject and the object, neither of those are potentized. You can feel it kind of so it's like a, almost like a juggling act because the awareness will tend to go from one to the other, either to the thing in itself or to how well I'm doing, holding this, or what it's doing to me, how well I feel, or whether this works or not, it goes into that. You know, just come back to the state of being here with that, receiving that object you keep releasing these wobbles because the other uh, f- forms are, uh, of, of conditioning Sankara uh, is contact which means there's some particular impression being created a designation being created an inference being created we keep acknowledging that but don't go into that inference <coughs> You go into the inference, you see <coughs> you see the pillar, you see the tree, you see the oak, you see the wood. You get into the, you know, it designates all these things. And then where you think, oh, tree, wood, deforestation, you know, um, loss of Brazilian rainforests, so forth. You know, or something of this nature, this proliferation occurs around these inferences. Or, you know, you're looking at a thing, oh, my eyes are looking a bit fuzzy these days, I should get some spectacles, like something thick frames, thin frames, frame of spectacles, or perhaps myopia, long-sided, short-sided. You go into that, you know, or, what am I doing looking at this stupid bit of wood for? Surely it's something more important I could do with my life. You know, how it wobbles around, contact and volition, which is that, the push. And one weight, one is the thing that keeps pushing. The, the chitta propels itself on these volitional things. And the process of, of awakening is, is release. So you just keep releasing these sankharas, these energetic pushes and thrusts and tanglings. So as you come towards that middle, it's the ideal place to release because it, you're at a place where it's, you're neither external nor internal you haven't really gone into the main vortex of the conditioning of the, of the sankara processing. Kind of release it in this slightly unsettled neither this nor that non-intense non-progressive not meaningful you know, <laughs> place <laughs> Well, it's something I should be doing right now, isn't it? You can feel the volitional itch comes up. And the release is the process for awakening. So then you begin to get a fuller realization of what, what is it that knows? What is it that's aware? What's this? It's everywhere, unobstructed doesn't want to do anything it's not negative about things it's available accessible unobstructed it doesn't weigh anything there's room to manifest in that you know thoughts and feelings can come up in that well it has a choice you say okay well let's get into that wood or what I'm going to do tomorrow but you've got a way of it's now a choice you can pick up focus, you can play with it, you can work with it, because it's not as if that that middle point is to be clung to either, neither here nor there nor in between, it's the cessation of suffering, because if we take a kind of non-engaged position as something to hold on to, then who's going to cook the dinner? you know, what do we do? and there's a, but when you actually feel into awareness more you feel into it, it's got a it's like a neutral place and it has a, a power in it whereby all those energies that are normally tangling up begin to almost release themselves into awareness, it's rather like a drain and the awareness itself becomes stronger more luminous, more powerful even though it has no push to it it becomes a very powerful sense of presence and then it, you feel satisfied with it because you, the energy that's seeking needing to feel connected to something feel happy is finally connecting to its own presence it's just a, so it's an energetic quality to it it's when you say energetic I don't mean it's doing anything it's a sense of like having a full battery it's it's alive it's vibrant unobstructed doesn't resist awakening awakening is, is vibrant it's energetic looking at this day this um very brief um, video clip that Ajintani always had showing us. And it was a video of um, Ajahn Mahabhura, um talking about his awakening experience and a few other things. And it's, it's taken quite recently. He's now 90 years old, so he'd probably, when he was 88 or 89 uh, years old, this, this uh, teacher... And he certainly wasn't looking, you know he wasn't looking he was full of passion, vigour, incredible vigour, energy, you know, vibrant, coherent, you know, intense, you know, almost um, you know almost almost uh, uh intimidatingly intense. He has a reputation being intimidating, he's a kind of eighty nine, late eighties person, you know, human being, this form, you know tremendous amount of expression of grief and joy and poignancy and 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 he's just saying, oh this is just all this stuff is just stuff, you know none of this, this is all just sankaras, you know and yet, you know, it wasn't somebody who kind of amputated and cut off all his energy, so he was just this sort of shriveled little passive um, jelly, you know this is a very potent, dynamic human being, you know Whatever else one wants to say or can be said about someone who's had these profound experiences. You can say, well, one thing about it the guy is very, very alive, you know, very attuned, very alert, plenty of power there. And and he's someone, you know, more alive, one would say, than many people who've who've saturated themselves with uh, experiences because he's not carrying anything. And that the energy is there. So that the energy that we often seek in terms of sense contact, you know, something to pick me up, um, something to be doing, some project to be getting on with, some, the, some status to feel I've got and made and developing, you know, the energy that we, we get out of those things is something that isn't in those things, it's really it's in, it's in us and while awareness is mingled up in the realm of becoming and sensuality we think that the, the, the boost and the highs and so forth is coming from these, these phenomena these, these inferences these shadows it's, it's, and that's what happens it's almost like the chitta gives its own power over to, to the shadows of its fear of its we, become, you know, we empower our fear and our dread and our anxieties and our needs and give them tremendous vigour to these things. They become so vigorous that we, we run a mile when they snarl at us. You know, we fight and rail over them. We we'll crave and cling for them. And these are all d- shadows and try pointing them out as shadows and we will defend them with vigour. <laughs> but, you know... If they w- if they were real things, how come, having had a few, we're not satisfied? If they were real things, how come, you know, if we would gotten rid of them, we'd be f- we'd be free, wouldn't they? But they're not real things. They're just they're just the the projector, the, m- the movie, the movie of the movie projector the mind projects around. Anything. You know, whatever else you say, say, there's a lot of energy. there, There's a lot of power there. You know, these, but take it back. Don't give it away. You know? Don't let yourself be these pa- paras. You know, victim of these parasites that suck you dry. And the place of taking that back is, is awareness, is release, which is not negation or denial or or amputation. It, you know, what is it that knows the chaos? the emotional ups and downs what is it that you know can sense the sense of the future and what I've got to do tomorrow and what kind of day it is and what do people think of me and so forth what is it can write in those objects in those powerful phenomena what is it saying this is happening it's rather like that you know. where does it happen ask oneself that question what is the knowing of that it's not an intellectual experience at all In training, we're very much encouraged to notice even in these um, very provocative experiences we can have just notice the arising and the ending of it, even the ending is only momentary because that's at the time when the momentarily like the the energy of the conditioning just drops it subsides, and you get this moment when you know it's like it pales, and there's a sense of oh. And then of course, it can rise up again. You know, it comes out again to phenomena, to manifestation. But every time it subsides, when the mood, you know, the the anguish or the the buzz or the excitement or whatever it is wanes, rather than you know pick up the next one, the next thought to get it going, the next grudge to pick up, the next sense of importance or something to do, just the encouragement just take that the five seconds the ten seconds letting it wane not through some ideological principle thou shalt wane waning is good for you but just notice when the condition subsides you get more of an opportunity to acknowledge it's here it's always been here it always is here this is the stable, the safe, the refuge, the island, the peaceful, the unconditioned And our practice you know as we might sense this in little flashes glimpses, is to be integrated to the all of the body, the thoughts and so forth this is the lifelong thing I think. You know, it can be not too difficult to get a an intuitive flash of this stuff. What's that? My mind stopped. What's that? But then to really, you know, lifelong practice is integrating it so that there aren't any currents or energies that sweep us away. You can spread the awareness over all of it. And not to... So in a way our uh, uh, life is to become in a way increasingly um, you know, touching wider ph- range of phenomena to release through con- through contact. Mm. Is there anything left in here for me to grieve over? Anything left here for me to hang on to? Try this one. You know? <coughs> Uh, so, it's, you can insi- see that this is why one needs this kind of tra- training and continual um, the, the putting, being put to the grindstone of the, of the human experience. <laughs> That's it, that phrase of Mio you know, saying, I'm still here causing trouble. Please grind me away a little more. <laughs> There's still someone here causing trouble. Please grind me away a little bit more. <laughs> I'm still kicking off a fuss. I'm still getting indignant. Please, please, can I have a little more of that finally, I finally you know, ground that one out of me? So it's a kind of training, isn't it, to hold oneself in that. Because one can readily see and certainly in, the, in some of the stories we hear of, of people who do have realisation moments and yet seem to fall by the wayside into various forms of abusive behaviour that yeah you get a glimpse it's like you say a person in a, in a, who's in a bricked up prison and they knock a, knock a hole in the wall big enough to see through they see. They definitely see. Oh, look. But it's still in the prison. You know? They can see it. They need to, in a way, see that, but also to see what they don't see. See the walls still. And then you get someone who can, who's, who's managed to knock a big enough hole to stick their head out through that prison wall. Says, oh, I'm free, I'm free. <laughs> free at last. You know, you've got your head out of the prison free because you can breathe the fresh air and move your head around uh, you need to know where's your guts where's your where's your legs yeah you know, until you can you know knock big enough hole to worm your way out of or walk out of and this is say the person who can walk outside that move around you know, and then lead others out or like a Buddha who just blew the whole sh- thing apart <coughs> wasn't content with just blowing a big enough hole for himself. Blows the whole thing down. It's rather like that. you know. Awakening to me is rather like that. You get the glimpse. You get the pinprick. And you get big enough to see through steadily. You know, to stick your head out and get a breath of it. It doesn't mean one's free. But it doesn't mean one isn't either. You know. So, in a way, there is a time process with this. Mm. There is a becoming in this, or a a temporal process, but it's really the temporal deconstruction of these compulsions to have and be and get and so forth. You get used to them, begin to focus on them in behaviour, in the attitudes we carry because these are whatever they are good or high sanctified or profane it's that that pushing accumulating tightening you know projecting energy itself that you need to attend to without identifying know that how can where can one find a place to to hold that this is your samatha what is it who knows it this is your insight this is release this is awakening. Anyway. <laughs>